Hi, I'm David Freudberg. We here at Humankind are trying to strike a balance to make our public radio programs available to you and also to make sure we're able to pay our production costs from office rent to staff time to studio and distribution expenses. The grants we receive from funders you hear named on our programs don't fully cover our operating costs. And if you like what you hear, we're asking for your help so we can keep our program and this podcast going. Please visit humanmedia.org and at the top of our homepage, click on How You Can Help. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. In a sense, we're salespeople. We're really selling the idea of a civil society, of a very calm, peaceful society. It's not an easy thing for anybody to do because we basically live in a society that's about competition. And with competition comes violence, with competition comes conflict. But I definitely believe that we can develop a culture of peace. After a senseless tragedy in the Bronx, an idealistic young man sets out on a quest to prevent violence. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Most people experience crucial turning points in life. For Tajay Gaynor, a pivotal event came at age 17 when a close friend died in his arms from a stab wound after a Bronx street fight with another of his friends. For Tajay, the incident clarified the need to learn better ways of seeing conflict and of defusing problems before they mushroom into disaster. Striking for his solid muscular build and very laid-back demeanor, Tajay is an unusually reflective 20-year-old. Today, he devotes much of his time to a growing movement of young people who seek alternatives to violence. Most of the conflicts that we get into are very tiny, very, very tiny. And if we don't stop them, halt them at a certain point, they can escalate to be something very, very big. Situations, I had a, a friend that um, was killed in 97, and it was an argument between actually two of my friends. And, you know, it was about 10 of us there. Um, no one really expected it for it to get that big to a, to a point where my friend would be killed. But we let it go because the argument, you know, between two friends is something that can happen all the time. It, you know, it escalated to the point where one of my friends stabbed my other friend and he died in my arms. You know, I was really trying to get him in the cab going to the hospital and he died. Um, it was a sad thing, but, you know, to show you how small the conflict was, none of us can remember the reason why they started arguing. So that's to show you how tiny it was. You know, they just started arguing and it escalated to the point where uh, one life was taken and another life was given a sentence of 25 to life. What was it like for you to have a friend be wounded and die in your arms? It was, it was a very sad, painful, confused, 
Um, I didn't, I never expected it for it to get to that level. I never thought it would. Um, it's something that, you know, if you were to tell me beforehand, I'll say that's never going to happen. And, you know, when he was stabbed, it was a moment there where I was shocked, and I'm pretty sure all my other friends there was really shocked. Um, but we had to wake up and try to do what we had to do to save him. And, were, were you yourself involved in any of the violence at that time? I was involved with a lot of violence. I mean, because, um, you know, I was never a fully violent person. Like, I wouldn't just go out there and want to beat somebody up and fight somebody for no reason. But if, if a situation, uh, you know, arised and um, somebody challenged me, I would. You know, that would be my first instinct is to go out there and to fight and to really get at this person. So going through that experience really gave me another um, way to look at situations. I really um, started to realize that there's other ways of handling my conflict. And um, once I started, you know, if I got into a conflict with somebody else and I just took a minute to start talking to the person, I realized that the other person really don't want to fight either, you know. So it's really taking the time to express the way you feel and to listen to how the person feels. You know, so um, that experience fully changed my life. As early as seventh grade, adults around Tajay Gaynor had spotted the makings of a peacemaker. That year, he became a peer mediator at school and began developing the skills needed to hear people out and to help them find common ground amid the turf fights, the romantic rivalries, and the emotional insecurities that can turn adolescence into a battlefield. He later began training other young people in the art of peer mediation, all of which gave Tajay Gaynor the perspective to step back and observe how conflict can combust. Well, the biggest thing is that, you know, when we, I mean, people in general get into conflict with other people, um, our first instinct is to be very angry and upset and show blame. And, um, you know, by learning these different things, I realized that what I need to do is actually stop, breathe for a second, and just explain to the person exactly how I feel in a very non-threatening way. It's not making me less of a person. It's actually making me become more of a person because somebody needs to take that initiative. And if the other person isn't trained to be able to do that, and I am, then obviously the responsibility lies upon me. So I can actually stop for a second, breathe, and start talking very slow and say, okay, look, this is how I'm feeling at this exact moment, okay? And um, usually when I do that, it calms the other person down to the point to where they then, in turn, can explain exactly how they feel. And then from there, it's basically you guys figuring out how you can solve it in a very peaceful way. In reality, a lot of people do not want to fight. And when fights happen, it's because of instigators, because of everybody else that wants to see a fight happen, who will never want to jump in the fight and fight themselves, you know? So if you learn how to handle yourself in that conflict, you can squash almost any beef people would have. Now, when you say you uh, breathe and decide to tell the person in a non-threatening way what you're feeling, uh, what is it generally that you are feeling? At that point, I'm, I'm really feeling confused. I'm feeling most likely upset. I'm feeling uh, misunderstood. I'm feeling possibly disrespected, depending on what type of situation, um, you know, happened. A lot of fights happen because of a lack of respect. Everybody wants a certain amount of respect. And if you can 
um, get both sides to see their common interest and common ground, um, you can start building from there and come up with a solution they can both live with. So as long as you show them that, look, you're here for this reason, you're here for that reason, it's pretty much the same thing. You want respect from each other. My friend O'Neill, who got beat up by my other friend he eventually killed, he felt like he needed to gain his respect back, not just by my friend who beat him up, but by everybody else around the situation. Because by getting beat up, he felt he lost a certain amount of respect from people. So he went back, got a knife, came back, and did what he did in a, in, in a, in a means to try to gain back respect. Um, and that's what usually happens a lot of times. People, um, especially when they get really upset, don't think rationally. And um, he definitely didn't. So by stabbing my friend, he thought he was gaining respect. He really put himself in a situation he could not handle. The biggest thing is for people to realize conflict is something that's always going to happen. It's going to happen every single day in our lives. Just waking up and trying to figure out what we're going to put on for today is a conflict. But uh, most of us succeed. We put on an outfit, we feel good for the day. But conflict is something that's gonna be an everyday situation. And if you don't learn how to handle and solve conflict, especially in a positive manner, sooner or later it's gonna catch up to you and something terrible is gonna happen. Do you have to consciously shift your tone so that the words come out in a, a non-hostile way? Yes, yes. Is that hard? Um, for most people, when they're very upset, it's hard to tell them to, okay, stop breathing, try to, you know, uh, think about what you want to say and then say it. It's hard because you want to vent. You want to get out that anger. And if you're not trained, there's no way in hell you're going to know how to do it, honestly. Me being trained, um, it, it, it was definitely something that grew on me after a while. And it got to the point to where it's like second nature for me to do that now. Um, it's really easy for me to just say, okay, hold on, Tajay, think about the situation you're in. How can you solve this peacefully first? Because peace should be our first instinct. You know, I mean, honestly, in a situation, if you have to defend yourself, um, I would tell anybody to defend themselves, just for safety reasons. But if you can peacefully solve the conflict first, that should be your first option. If peace should be the first option, we don't live in a popular culture that supports it. Instead, our society seems to thrive on the adrenaline of clashing, in the brutality of our political arena the ferocious use of military force, the continuous barrage of violence that permeates so much of our mass entertainment. Against this backdrop, it would take a remarkable young person like Tajay Gaynor to recognize that a gentler way is possible and to help other youth also to become aware of the alternatives. And what do you think are the steps toward peacefully solving conflicts? Well, the first step is realizing who you are, um, developing a certain amount of self-respect within yourself. Um, a lot of times when people feel challenged, if you don't have a certain amount of self-respect within yourself, you, in a sense, kind of feel like the other person is not only trying to say that you're a punk, 
but you might even feel internally that you are a punk. So it's really your defense mechanism saying, I need to stand up to this. I'm not going to let that person, you know, prove to me that I'm a punk. But if you really understand who you are, no matter what somebody else might try to do, you honestly will not care because you know who you are. So it's really realizing who you are first. Second of all, realizing that you do not need to be put in that type of situation because you never know the consequences. And third of all, you realizing your civic duty and responsibility to other people and realizing that you have a respect and a certain amount of power within um, the community and trying to solve conflicts peacefully is what you should be doing. What do you find is the hardest message to get through to somebody who's locked in a conflict, who's in that kind of angry, irrational state, mm. and who is resistant to listening to reason? I think the biggest thing that I try to teach young people, which is so hard, it's so hard to get them to believe in this concept, is that walking away will not make you less of a person. Talking out your conflict will not make you less of a person. And I can, you know what, I can fully understand where they're coming from because I grew up in it too. And a lot of times you would look at people that are trying to talk their way out of conflict as being the punks because they're scared of the situation. So when I talk to young people and they say to me, look, realistically, Tajay, I can't talk to this person when they want to fight me because it's not only going to make me look like a punk, but at any point this person could come at me. You know, so I need to be on the same level as this person. But then my other message is, you know, you really have two options, to live or die. And you never know what's going to happen. So would you rather talk your way out of a conflict and have one or two people who really wanted to see a fight look at you as a punk? Or would you like to live to accomplish different things in life, to live really good, to be happy and enjoy your life? And those are really your options. Because conflict, conflict has so many different consequences. It can either be tiny or it could be very big. We're talking with Tajay Gaynor from the Bronx, New York, a national leader in the peer mediation movement for youth. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Violence, especially in rougher urban neighborhoods, owes its roots to deep-seated social problems and the personal wounds that fester in their shadow. Tajay Gaynor finds that conflicts which boil into confrontations are often the direct product of a person's interior emotional conflicts that have gone unresolved sometimes since childhood. Before we can make a more peaceful world, he says, the underlying causes of our internal battles must be understood and cleared. Sometimes you might argue with somebody else and you're not the real person who they want to be arguing with or whatever you did is not the real reason why they're upset. People go through different things within life and to be able to understand that also is a big thing. You know, you never know who you're going to argue with. I always tell people, you're responsible for yourself. You can't be responsible for the other person in a sense because you don't know what type of situation the other person has been through. That person could have been molested their whole life. That person could have been beat up their whole life. That person could have, you know, for whatever reason, that person is very upset. That person might have got to the point where they said, look, I'm not taking any nonsense from anybody else, you know? And if you're the type of person that you feel that you really need to challenge this person, only terrible things can come out of that. Because obviously if that person is already pushed to the limit and you, 
give them the extra nudge, that means they're really going to come at you in a way that you possibly cannot handle, you know. Not everybody thinks about, okay, if I get into this conflict, I might lose my life. A lot of people don't think about it. That's why so many people die. If more people was to think about it, there probably would be less tragedies. You know, I find very often that people who are aggressive are almost wearing a mask to cover something that's vulnerable inside. Definitely. A lot of people that you look at as very aggressive are vulnerable to a lot of situations, are the people who have been abused in different ways within their lives, are people who haven't had the uh, proper guidance within their life, aren't shown the love at home, don't have role models within their life to help them out. And, you know, there are thousands of reasons why people would have to put on this mask, um, this front, as we call it in New York, to um, basically cover up their pain and their hurt inside. And you see it all the time. So how much of your work involves helping the people to really look at the pain that underlies and drives so much of the problematic behavior? 90% of my work is talking to people about looking within themselves. Conflict will never change. Your perception of conflict will never change. Your attitude, your responses will never change unless you realize who you are and what you're about. It will never change because it's basically a learned behavior. It's a behavior that we develop through experience. And unless you realize that a certain experience is not necessarily what you need to keep the cycle going or to keep you know, that certain thing happening, um, you'll never change what it is that you're doing. In your own experience, did you discover some underlying pain that you, you had to work through? Yeah, definitely within myself. Um, um, you know, within the same situation, I, I grew up with a lot of older cousins, and um, when I was younger, they used to always beat me up. They they never beat me up for the reason to say that they just didn't like me, but they always said, we're going to make you stronger, we're going to make you stronger. So it was that, you know, wrestling would be on, and I'd come home, and it's like I'm getting body slammed, and I'm, you know, and, it, you know, it really used to hurt me when I was when I was young that they felt they really needed to do that. So especially when I got to school by myself, I felt the need to stand up to any type of competition or any type of challenge anybody gave me. And it was that whole thing of, of you know, my cousins were trying to make me strong. I need to prove I'm strong. I need to show I'm stronger, you know, to everybody. It was really trying to pull myself at two different angles. In one sense, I'm learning mediation. I'm trying to change conflict and the culture of conflict. In another sense, I feel like, you know, I have to prove to people I'm strong. I have to show people that I can't be punked. I can't be, you know, beat up and put down. So it was, it was really hard. You know, it was really an internal battle within myself. Today, Tajay Gaynor works with a new group for young people called Youth Empower. It was founded in 1999 in Washington through a partnership of educators, family mediators, and others in the field of conflict resolution in the United States. They aim to provide information and networking opportunities for young people throughout America who have begun local efforts to reduce youth violence and to promote what they term a culture of respect. Tajay says it's important that young people who share this vision have a way to connect with each other. 
there's a big intimidation factor that a lot of people don't think about between adults and young people. You know, young people are really intimidated in front of adults. A little, little insecure. A little insecure, you know, because of the fact that, you know, I mean, you basically believe adults know a hundred times more than you do, and, um, and anything you say could be wrong, point blank. So when you bring young people together, we're all on the same page in a sense, and we gain strength from each other. And by doing that first, you give young people enough confidence to be able to work with adults. So having supporting adults that understand that, uh, that concept and idea is, one, is the first thing that you need. Um, second thing is, from I heard from a lot of young people, we need the funding. We definitely do. There can be so many youth-run and led programs in every single state, in almost every single city, you know? And if we were to have more funding to do that, Believe me, there would be much more peace. A lot of young people would rather be together talking about solving conflict than creating conflict. If young people had a place to go, if we can set up community centers to teach young people drama, how to, how to talk about conflict with drama, how to talk about sexuality, how to talk about peer pressure, all these things through drama, you know, play some sports, enjoy yourself, positive things. There would be so much less violence. But... What ends up happening, you know, through the whole politics of everything is a lot of times young people are lost until something big like Columbine happens. And it's sad that it takes a situation. What was like the that. significance of Columbine, do you think? Columbine was very big. Um, I'm sad it had to happen, but in a sense, it needed to happen. It really woke a lot of adults up. It really said, look, you know, you're worrying about a lot of things that might be important, but you're not looking at your own house, at your own home, you know? Look in your backyard and see what's going on. Are you neglecting your kids, your own children, your neighbor's children, the people that grow up in your society, your culture? Are you ne neglecting them? And I definitely think Columbine showed a lot of adults that we need to take the time to stop working 10, 12 hours a day to stop worrying about making all this money, to stop worrying about this and this and this and this, and lead back towards a family life, raising our children right. Because so many young people are left to raise themselves nowadays, and that's so sad. It's really sad that it happens that way, but it does. Because, you know, with this type of society we live in, the parents don't have enough time to raise their children. The society we now live in involves violent sports, involves politicians who are willing to just cut each other mercilessly, involves uh, business leaders who are willing to carnivorously eat each other up. There's a, a tremendous amount of aggressiveness out there in, in the society now. How do we get from here to there? How do we get from a society that's very violent to a society that's peaceful? Well, if you had the answer, I would love to hear it. We need definitely to be responsible for everybody. If you're walking in the street and you see two people arguing and it looks like it's going to escalate into a big conflict, by you getting inside, you're that third side. By you getting in the middle of it, you know, and trying to solve it and break it up, you are that third side. There's a certain responsibility we all have to each other as teachers, as parents, 
as friends, as neighbors, that we need to uphold a certain responsibility. We need to not let injustices happen and turn our backs like we do. And that's one of the biggest things. If, if people stand up for um, change and if people look at injustices and say, we're not going to make these things happen anymore, we will lead into that peaceful society. You know, I'm from New York and too many times I'm in the train and um, something happened to where like two people start arguing to the point they were they're about to fight and everybody else will look up and watch and nobody will do anything. Or there's a couple times where, you know, I saw people get their purses snatched and people ran out and, you know, different things of that nature. You think people are afraid that if they intervene, they, they could expose themselves to violence? I think a lot of people are afraid. Yes, yes, definitely. But it's a sad thing because if you were in a certain situation, you would definitely hope that somebody else would jump in and help you out. You know, if, if you're getting mugged, you would hope somebody can help you out. Yeah, if, if whatever. Uh, you know, God forbid a, a woman is getting raped. She would hope that somebody would turn around and try to break it up for whatever reason. Um, have there been times when you have found yourself uh, faced with the choice of whether to intervene to, to stop violence? Many times. Many times. What do you do? Many times. Now, um, since uh, the death of my friend, I intervene. If I see two people fighting to the point where I know it's going to break out and something big, I'll just get in the middle. Come on, you guys, this does, does not need to happen. You're better than this. You know, just relax yourself. A lot of times, you know, I have my own production company in music. Um, a lot of times in parties that we throw, people end up start arguing, ready to fight, and I'll break it up. This is not what we're about. We're throwing parties for everybody to enjoy themselves. If you really, you know, show people that, a lot of times they'll calm down, at least for the moment. Um, if it's another situation to where, you know, I can honestly sit down and talk to the people, I'll try to do that also. I mean, however I can intervene, I usually try to intervene. Um, I'm tired of seeing things happen and, you know, nobody stand up towards it. I feel I need to. I know that you regard yourself as someone who is seeking peace and is trying to be a peacemaker. What do you think are the personal characteristics and traits of a successful peacemaker? First and foremost, somebody who dedicates their life towards helping others. Somebody that's very strong within himself. Um, somebody that has a very strong philosophy um, behind them. A lot of great peacemakers are happy people. They enjoy life. They enjoy interaction with other people. Those are really the things that really stand out to me about peacemakers. I mean, you don't have to be a great speaker at all, at all, because the message truly and honestly comes from the heart. And if you're speaking from the heart, whether or not you're a phenomenal speaker, people will understand. We just want to live in a peaceful society. We don't want to see any more of our brothers and sisters die. We don't want to see any more of, you know, our, our, our schools be bombarded with bombs and, and, and guns and, you know, a young person feeling so betrayed and so hurt that they feel the need to take it out on everybody else. We don't want to see that. We're all born peaceful people. We're born. If we never were put in a situation to where we had to, to handle violence in a negative way, we wouldn't know about handling violence bad. If we were raised in a society that just said, you have to solve everything peacefully, 
you have to be a bigger person. Things will be so much different. That's what we want to see. Tajay Gaynor, a peacemaker from the Bronx who works with Youth Empower based in Washington, D.C. Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with the Network Incorporated. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Greg Fitzgerald. Program development and support provided by Shart Media. You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org. This segment with Tajay Gaynor is Humankind Program number 19. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR One, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.